When I look in the mirror, I don't see wrinkles. When I look in the mirror, I see hair on my head, not my shoulder. Hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bold, the Fountain of Truth. The Fountain of Truth about what? Well, the Fountain of Truth about aging. And today we are speaking with Coach Michael Taylor. He is, well, let's say we'll call him a force of nature. Let's give him that appellation. He has 10 books out. He is a coach. He is a group coach. He's an inspirer. He's a person who walks the walk and talks the talk. And most recently, he's written a book about aging. And this is not his usual bailiwick. But I think he was looking at his own aging and feeling extremely excited about it and saying, hey, why isn't everybody else as excited as I am? I'm going to be the coach for aging. And so he wrote, I'm not okay with gray. And we're going to be talking about that right now. So thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much. I am so excited about being here with you. We are definitely cut from the same cloth, having the same message. And I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, we really are on message. We got the memo. There is no doubt about that. So I want to bring you back to a particular chapter in your book that I didn't expect to be there. And that's why I want to talk about it. Uh, the book is uh, I'm Not Okay with Gray. Of course, you can go to Amazon. You can see his other books on entrepreneurship, many other books. And we'll talk about your own website in a moment. But this chapter is about younger people, actually. People in a midlife crisis, not the complete mature. And I just came back from Chip Conley, who started Airbnb, or he was one of the execs in Airbnb. He has something called the Modern Elder Academy. And I was really surprised, Michael. The people were ages 33, in their 40s and in their 50s. And when I opened your book, there it is, right in the middle of there, about not having the midlife crisis. And what does it mean? So what did it mean to you? And why did you think it was important to put, in a book about going gray or being a little older, a book about a midlife crisis or a story of a midlife crisis? Well, first of all, when you think about the title, I'm Not Okay With Gray, it's really just a way of saying I'm choosing not to concede to what society means to get to growing older. So it's like it's a mindset. So for those who are listening, it's a mindset that's saying I don't have to buy into society's version of what it means to grow older. So in that chapter you're talking about, let me back up a little bit. So I was born in the inner city projects of Corpus Christi, Texas, to a single mom with six kids. And we were basically the poster children for poverty back in the 60s. Is but that my mom, Geneva? Is, is, is your mom Geneva? Yes. 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 Oh, she runs through the whole book. Oh, yeah. But she, this she is, this is me, one good mama. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> she taught me this really powerful lesson. And she said this. She said, Michael, if you want something badly enough, there's no one or no thing that can keep you from attaining it except yourself. And that is the foundation of my thinking since I was a kid. So at the age of 23, I was living the American dream. I had the house, the wife, the 2.5 kids and all that. And by society standards, I was pretty successful. And within about a six and a half year time frame, that American dream turned into the American nightmare. As I went through divorce, bankruptcy, foreclosure, deep state of depression, I was actually homeless for two years living out of my car. And during the darkest period of my life, I received a miracle. I was sitting up late one night because I was too depressed to sleep. And I was sitting at the edge of my bed, looking across the room at my bookshelf, when I happened to notice that every book on my bookshelf 
had something to do with getting rich or making money. And as I looked at those books, this question just popped in my mind. Michael, what if you took all the energy and effort you've used in trying to get rich and simply figure out how to be happy? And as simplistic as that question sounds, it literally changed and saved my life in an instant. As a result of asking that question, I stopped reading books on getting rich and making money. I started reading books on psychology and philosophy and spirituality and metaphysics. And I went on this amazing journey of transformation. And during this process, what I came to understand was I used the metaphor of a roller coaster as a metaphor for society. Right. That's why I I call that part of your book, the roller coaster chapter. Yeah. And so what I realized that all of my life, I had been on this roller coaster doing everything I thought I was supposed to do to be happy. And I was absolutely miserable. So I needed to figure out how to get off of that roller coaster. And so that journey began with my willingness to, first of all, go to therapy and start asking myself some deeper questions about myself. And that's how my transformational journey began. And so throughout the book, I use that metaphor of the roller coaster because most people can relate to feeling like they're on this thing going up and down, round and round, but they're really not getting anywhere. So the point of the book is to help people get off to that societal roller coaster and to recognize that they have the capacity to be, to do, to have anything they set their minds to. And you do have a wonderful diagram in there. It's like a little infographic. Uh, we always think that we're going to have uh, by doing, and then we'll be happy. And the yeah. way Michael Taylor puts it, it's the opposite. First you be happy, right? Then you do what people do who are happy, and all of a sudden you have what you want. So Yeah, it's, it's, it's called the be-do-have triangle. So right. if you imagine a triangle, if you look at the top of the triangle, most people will put something like do at the top of the triangle. For example, if I do this thing called get a job, then I'll the have list. money. Yeah, the do list. <laughs> and then I'll have money, and then I'll be happy. Well, see, that's the trap that I was on. And it wasn't until I went through that transformational process that I realized that the key is to be happy first. And that's the inside job that a lot of us aren't willing to go on, that that transformational journey. But when we do that, everything else opened up for us. So let me talk about aging in this context for a minute. Uh, You know, we always talk about on our show the U-curve. They say on the U-curve, which is how happy people are at different times in their life, that they're the least happy around age 40 or 45, just as you wrote about the midlife crisis, because they're on that roller coaster. Then they're supposed to get happier and happier and happier as they get older. But my experience has been that they get busier and busier, not necessarily happier and happier. And they begin to conflate pickleball with happiness and being able to get out there and, and be active with happiness. Now, around the time of retirement, most people, at least the people listening to this show, are okay financially. They may not be the richest people in the world, but they're okay. They're off the roller coaster treadmill that the younger folks are on when they have kids. But they still are not looking to who they are being. And I don't understand it. Maybe you understand it as a coach. Why people who do have the money and the education and now the time do not have the curiosity to do much with their time? Have you seen it and how would you help? Well, first of all, I, I, I come at, again from a life coach perspective and my own life right. experience. And, w- and what I've learned 
is, you know, for most of my life, I focused all of my attention on things outside of myself, meaning my job, my career, my family, my kids and all of that. And it wasn't until I lost everything that I started to look within myself, meaning challenging my beliefs and assumptions that I had about myself and the world around me. And so for most people, once again, most people, I believe, are trapped on that roller coaster. So they never really ask themselves the deeper questions, you know, the existential questions about who am I? Why am I here? And so I didn't start asking those questions until I lost everything. So I think for most people, unfortunately, there's only two things that will cause a person to want to change. One is pain and the other is what I call divine discontent which is just an inner feeling that something's just off. And unfortunately, most people wait till they experience one of those two things before they'll begin that inner journey of transformation. So what this book is about is actually giving you an opportunity to begin that inner process to start looking within your own mind and heart to see, well, what is it that I can do to create an extraordinary life? Now, I define an extraordinary life as having four components, okay? There's four components. Number one, inner peace. Number two, dynamic health. Number three, great relationships. And number four, financial abundance, which simply means you have enough money that you're not stressing out over it. So security, we would say in the financial world that you have a secure retirement. Yes. Not necessarily the wealthiest guy in the world, but secure. Secure. So once we have the vision, if you will, that we want to create an extraordinary life, then we're going to have to take some steps. And that first step is to become self-introspective. And this is the most difficult part, because once again, the roller coaster tells us to look outside of ourselves, to do the stuff, you know, do, 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 and not be, 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 be. So the the challenge is how can we focus our attention from looking outside of ourselves to looking within? Now, I have been obsessed with personal growth and development for the past 30 years. And again, I don't claim to have all the answers, but what I have, what I do know is that it is absolutely possible for us to be transformed. And what I mean and, by that. And Michael, but, I'm going to say that that is true at any age. We come back. Absolutely. Yeah, and come back in our next episode. We're going to find out exactly what you mean by that. We are speaking okay. with Coach Michael Taylor. He has changed the lives of many people. He has many books out. Please look at Amazon. When we come back, we're going to give you a, another website where you can get a discount, actually. on. He was so generous about this on his latest book, I'm Not Okay with Gray. But in our next segment, we're going to have Michael help us make that transformation, take a little change in our life, understand we could we could do it. We're not too old. And in fact, we may be the perfect age, people in their 60s, 70s, even 80s, for transformation. Don't you go anywhere. All of it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit, because I am happy, and I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. Da 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 da, da 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 da. You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit, because I am happy, and I freely admit I'm inappropriate. Hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bold, the fountain of truth, the fountain of truth about aging. I have a fantastic announcement that I would like to make. I'm making this on social media as well. Uh, my new, my new latest outlet for you to listen to this podcast is the National Association of Baby Boomer Women. 
It's a very large association. You can tell what it's about. It's for women and is who are baby boomers, born between the years 1946 and 1964. So that's 18 year span. And that's pretty good. I am what they call a leading edge baby boomer, which is a euphemism for being one of the oldest of the baby boomers because I was born in 1948. But you can have people who are pretty young who are actually baby boomers. And uh, this particular women's group attracts a little bit younger. And I'm very proud that they are beginning to get interested in their older age and successfully aging. So if you're a member of the National Association of Baby Boomer Women, or you've never heard of it, just go there. It's nabbw.org. And you can also hear our podcasts through there. Now today, we're speaking with Coach Michael Taylor. Now, he is an author of many books. You can look at that up on Amazon. But the book we're talking about today is called I'm Not Okay with Gray. And before we do anything else, Michael, I know you have a special a little uh, offer, a little promotion for our listeners. So please tell us the website they can find it at and what you're offering them. Yes, if you'll go to CoachMichaelTaylor.com, there's a link to the book I'm Not Okay with Gray. And if you purchase from that particular site, and if you go to checkout, if you use the checkout coupon, Adrian, spell Adrian, A-D-R-I-E-N-E, correct, Adrian, your name? The name, actually, it's A-D-R-I-A-N-E. But A-N-E. I will, yes, I will send that to you. And you, okay. you've got it right. So, so it's, yeah, use, use Adrian's name at checkout, and you'll take, a, it'll take $5 off the price of the book. So you get the book for only $11 or so. And again, it's a special promotion because I really love what she's doing and what she's about. And we're, we're definitely, you know, preaching the same message. So it's a great opportunity for you to jump into this conversation and learn more about the book. And I will tell everybody a little bit of an announcement here, too. Uh, if you know this show, you know that I've been on for about almost six years and we have never actually given anybody a discount. I've had 100 people ask me to do that because it's part of their sales technique. And I've said no. And I even said no to Michael, but then I read his book <laughs> and, I wa- and I wanted <laughs> you to have the book. So that's all that this is about. It's really a worthwhile book to have. And of course, you can always go on Amazon as well. And for yes. an announcement, we are hoping that come the fall, we will have an e-commerce site because uh, too many people are asking me for the books of our guests for the kinds of things that I use in my own life to have a healthier, happier, and more fulfilled aging. And I think it's not fair that I don't uh, let people have better access to those things. So I've been thinking about that, and that's going to change. That should be very useful to everybody listening. Now, going back to Michael, so, so you, you have this idea that if you go inward and you really start to examine yourself and you do all that hard work, and in your book, you talk about the hard work you did. And you, you say the truth. It's not easy. People don't want to face the emotional part of their, themselves. That you can still transform at any age. And I agree with that. However, as you are a little bit older, and now you have so much behind you, and I hate to say it, often so many regrets, so many, about the people you've lost and who you didn't say I love you, and, the, and even the money and the Forever and ever, they're telling me, oh, I should have bought this in 1947 in this piece of property. I mean, regret on regret. How do we get over that and realize that it's the future we should be looking at? 
Well, I define transformation as the process through which we transform from who we thought we were to who we were born to be. And I personally believe that every human being has a divine purpose. We all have unique gifts and talents, that it is our responsibility to figure out what those things are. And whenever we choose to go on this journey of transformation and connect to those gifts and talents, then we are able to share those gifts and talents. And that's where true, authentic fulfillment and meaning comes from. And I think that's what we're really longing for. We're longing for meaning. We're not longing just for stuff. You know, too many times, we, you know, if we're trapped on a roller coaster, we're always looking for stuff, more money, vacations, whatever. But if we, if we start asking ourselves the deeper questions and start asking for meaning and fulfillment in life, then our lives become more rewarding and fulfilling. And we start asking ourselves things that will keep us from having regrets. Like, is there someone in my life that I need to forgive? Is there something that I've been holding on to for years that I, I need to just let that go so that I can, can be free from it? So this inner journey, this process is about getting free and connecting with our authentic selves. Because for me, I used to hide behind this label of manager. I didn't have a sense of identity who Michael Taylor really was because I was on that roller coaster saying that this is what I am and who I am. But the journey of transformation is about discovering who we really are. And that's a process, as you mentioned, that can be challenging. But until we do that, we'll never truly be fulfilled. You know, Michael, I have um, a reputation of being very blunt and sometimes on a soapbox. And I'm going to go on one for a half a second and then pose this question to you. So as I said, I look around at my peers. Now, my peers are a little bit older. They can work. Sometimes they do, but they don't have to. They, these are the people that we would, a lot of people would like to be. They have money, they have health, but they are not working on their inner self. They are not. They are working on the pickleball court. And occasionally I'll meet somebody, and they're not all that happy, by the way, just as you have in your book, uh, even though they have what, uh, the exterior stuff, the external stuff. Then occasionally I'll meet somebody who just lights up the room just lights up the world and they are interesting and they're interested and they are working on their inner self. So I've used the word curiosity and this is what I'm going to throw at you. I have found that the people who are willing to do what you just said and who eventually do come out of the other end being happier have a lot of curiosity and they have a lot of curiosity about themselves too. Just like you said, look how many books I read. All, I, all you did really was change your topic but you stayed curious. Now you're in your 60s. How is curiosity in your life? And could you even imagine a life without being curious, curious about things? Well, the master teacher taught us that we must first be as little children before we enter the kingdom of heaven. And so to me, that speaks directly to curiosity. That means having an open mind and an open heart to learn new things, to 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 discover new parts about ourselves. It's about asking ourselves, once again, those deeper questions that it's not about doing. It's about being. So it 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 leans more toward the spiritual nature of who we are as human beings. And so without curiosity and imagination, it's difficult to, in my experience, really experience true passion. 
because we have to be open-minded enough and curious enough to recognize that, hmm, I'm willing to say, I don't know. And unfortunately, as human beings, we have this, this insatiable need to be right <laughs> and yes. to be rigid in our thinking. But it isn't until we let go of that need to be right and to become curious that we open the door for new information to be brought in. And again, I mentioned at the beginning that it, this title of the book is about mindset. Well, you have to have a curious mindset in order to change, in order to transform. You must be willing to ask yourself, am I open to something new? Am I open to something different? Because if you're not open to something different, you cannot change. You cannot be transformed. So it all begins with curiosity. And, you know, I love the, the, the idea that you start as a child because on a non-spiritual note, corporations are spending millions in training people to have a, what they call the beginner's mind, the beginner's mind. And this is what I would like people who are a little older to realize. The worst thing you can say is, I know it. Yep. If you have that beginner's mind. Now, when we come back, I want to talk about a sticky subject, Michael, and that is spirituality and aging. It's very clear when they read your book, when they listen to your coaching, that you have a biblical background, a spiritual background, and you draw from it, and you draw from it. And it can be controversial, but it can also be very effective. When we come back, we're going to be talking about spirituality and aging and whether or not it's something, and I don't mean organized religion, uh, which is nice too, nothing against that, it's just not about this show, uh, how you can draw that into your life for better being and for not being okay with gray. Don't you guys go anywhere. Full of it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit, because I am happy and I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. Da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da. You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit, because I am happy. Hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bold, the fountain of truth, the fountain of truth about aging. Now, if you have been listening to Michael Taylor, Coach Michael Taylor, talk for even 30 seconds, you know that he's really a lot more than a coach. That's a big thing to be, but he is also the host and producer of TV channels on the Roku Network. Joy, Passion, and Profit is one of his shows. He's way up there in the motivational world as a very sought-after keynote speaker with people like Brian Tracy, who I've talked about so many times, and Liz Brown. Uh, he's really legendary when it comes to, to his way of getting people to move from one part in their lives, their internal lives, to another and better part. He is also the author of 10 books, all of which you can see on Amazon. And he's a podcaster, too. So we're talking about uh, somebody who I mentioned at the beginning I thought was a force of nature. But instead of giving his bio, let me give you him. So he, if you want to learn more about him, if you want to even get a discount uh, of $5 using my name, Adrian, on his website, you just go to coachmichaeltaylor.com, and you can really read this lovely book. I mean, it, we're talking about $11 that could possibly change your life. And as you know, I get no profit from this. Uh, this is not an e-commerce announcement. He's not a sponsor. 
he's here because I think he's so important to your future, just as all of my guests are. Right, so, so, Michael, let me go back into a little bit of geroscience and social science. And that is this. Is a, a, you may or may not know a, a group called the Ericsons, a man and a wife team, great social scientists. And they said that as we age, we become gerotranscendent, which is the words they use. And that meant that just what you're saying, they get out of their outer self and go into the inner self and think about their legacy. Think about their connection to the universe. And he was really skirting around the word spirituality. But eventually, occasionally here and there, as they got into their 90s, this, this research couple, they began to actually talk about spirituality. in Not organized religion, but spirituality. Now, here in a group of people that are religious, that believe in God, it's very easy to talk about. You don't get any pushback. They get it, right? But in a secular world, and I know, I, I believe you say one time in your life you, you're an atheist. Uh, in a secular world, that's a hard sell. And yet, you do use it. So, so unpack this for me. How is that getting a reception? And what difference do you think it's making? Because you won't give it up. So you think it makes <laughs> a big difference in people's lives. Well, again, I define spirituality as the moment-to-moment recognition and acknowledgement of my connection to something greater than myself. Mm-hmm. So that's Michael Taylor's definition. So as you mentioned, I'm a former atheist. And for several years, I was, shall I say, a committed atheist. Because one of the things that really bothered me from a very early age is I had a ton of questions that nobody could answer about God that really just I just a part of me just didn't believe if there was such a thing as God, it would do what I was taught in church. And so it wasn't until I went on my own journey. And again, when I when I went through my divorce and everything and I started going to therapy, started doing this inner work, I was still an atheist. But as I started to heal, as I started to, you know, recover from some childhood trauma stuff and just really started to feel great about myself and about life and the question just came up, you know, this whole thing about God and if there's such a thing. And I was brought up Baptist and had a lot of disagreement with the Baptist church. But when I started this process, I started a process of meditation. And I can't put into words the benefit of meditation for me. Uh, it allowed me to not only just relax, but it enhanced my creativity. It gave me a sense of connection to something better than my, bigger than myself. And so it really... I started to feel something spiritual because of my meditation practice. And so what I did is I just went out and started researching religions. I went to every major religion. I went to a Muslim mosque, talked to those guys and asked them what they believed and why. I went to a Buddhist temple. I asked them what they believed and why. You know, I went to a, a Jewish Curiosity, synagogue. folks. Curiosity. All right. Go yeah, ahead, yeah. Michael. So, so just I'm just asking questions because I simply wanted to find my truth. I wanted to find something that I really believed in, something that really worked for me. And it was a, a, you know, a six year journey. And I just came to my own understanding and truth that really resonates with me. And so as a result of that journey, I actually wrote a book called What If Jesus Were a Coach? And in the book, I basically talk about a positive approach to Christianity and religion that I think people are really hungry for because I'm not preaching. I'm not saying it's the only way I'm saying, here are some ways to look at Jesus's life and see if you can apply it to your life. 
And so without being religious, it says spirituality to me means I'm connected to everything. And so knowing that this presence, this energy, this divine intelligence, whatever you want to call it, is present is what drives my life because I see myself as a divine expression of this intelligence that created the universe. And so everything that I do is based on my belief in this divine intelligence. You know, it's so interesting because uh, when it comes to aging and religion, we have a, a society here that's a little bit different from what it's expected to be. In the old days, and I mean when I say the old days, 70 years ago, just around the end of World War II, if you went to an assisted living community or a nursing home community or an elder community, it was religion-based. You, 90%, maybe more, was religion-based. You would go to a Christian one, a Jewish one, a Catholic, you know, whatever, a Protestant. Um, not anymore. They're, the communities are not built at all around religion. So that's one huge change for aging because you are no longer with people of your same religious faith. And there's some great benefits to that. As you said, you could be, become a seeker. It's very interesting. A lot of good things happen that way. At the same time, you can get a little lost in, in a new place because the amount of relationships that you have to rebuild or re-refine and define get a little bit overwhelming when you're older. So that's one interesting. But the second one is what you were talking about and what the Ericsons were talking about. Without labeling it or pinning it on a particular religion, there was a view that as you got older, you withdrew from all the need to work and all the need to be out there and all the need to be active. And you went inward, became more spiritual. We're not seeing it. What we're seeing is people really prizing the fact that they are remaining external. They're telling you how busy they are how much travel they're doing, all the places they're eating out, how many times they're playing pickleball all week. And they go, this is going into the 80s and 90s. And it is not making people happier, but it is making people busier. I'm just wondering, Michael, of all the books you've, you've written, uh, we have the one that you just mentioned, What If Jesus were, Was a Coach. Is there another one that helps people? Uh, of course, we have uh, I'm Not Okay with Gray. Another one that you would say, let's say, is the, is the one that brings people most on a journey. Well, I think the book that's probably had the biggest impact on the readers, I wrote a book called Adversity is Your Greatest Ally, mm -hmm. How to Use Life Challenges as Stepping Stones to Live the Life of Your Dreams. And, you know, I believe that every adversity in our life actually brings us a gift and a lesson if we're willing to look deeply enough. And so as I look back at all of the adversities I went through, my divorce and my bankruptcy and all of that, as painful and as difficult as it was, I can now see the perfection and the miracle in all of it. And so the lesson that I learned was that this divine intelligence that I believe in, this divine intelligence created a perfect universe. The universe is absolutely perfect. And it is our responsibility to figure out how we fit into that perfection. And when we do, our lives become miracles. Our lives become so rewarding and fulfilling and full of meaning because we've done our inner work connected with ourselves. But then we go out into the universe, or out into the world, and we share our truth with others to support and empower them to find their truth. And when we do that, we heal the world. 
I think that's the issue. The issue there is, and maybe that's why I get upset, is that we have so much to offer the world, uh, particularly as we age, and we're rarely paying it forward to the extent we could. Remember, I'm a baby boomer, a little bit older than you, Michael. I'm the one who got arrested for uh, protesting, wanting to change the world, whether it's sexism or racism or whatever you want to call it. Uh, And we were willing to put our lives on the line. And now we are not even willing to relinquish the pickleball court. So so I'm getting a little upset about 78 million people who could give so much to the world. And then, of course, the excuse is the world is ageist. Well, it is ageist. Okay. So let's do something about it. And we come back, we're going to talk about some of those issues and how real, more universal things can be changed. With Coach Michael Taylor, don't you go anywhere. All of it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit, because I am happy, and I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. Da 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 da, da 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 da. You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit, because I am happy. And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bowl, the Fountain of Truth, the Fountain of Truth about Aging. I'm here with Coach Michael Taylor. He is the author of I'm Not Okay with Gray. This is not his first book, it's his 10th book. He's a podcaster, he's a TV star, he's a motivational speaker, and he's really way up there with people like Brian Tracy. I mean, some of the best of the best. He's made life uh, uh, more exciting, uh, less painful for hundreds and hundreds of people. And some of the things that he helps people do is work with their spirituality, work with their finding themselves, starting to get willing to take that journey. A lot of hard things. But right now, I want to turn my attention to a topic that's actually not discussed. And if it is, it is just discussed behind closed doors, Michael. And that is being older and being black, and specifically in America. Uh, I have to set the stage a little bit for you. I'm on the NGO Committee on Aging for the United Nations. And as a result of this, we work with a lot of issues of diversity. So we're always looking for experts of color. And I work with uh, entrepreneurs, and we're always looking for experts of color. And I did two big conferences, uh, and they were both geroscience conferences. And we looked for geroscientists of color. Good luck. So we found, we found one. You should, you should have seen this. We found a real wonderful top geroscientist and cardiologist. He was black. And his, I won't say his name, but his last name started with an A. And we went crazy. We thought we died and went to heaven. We were so happy. Because his last name started with an A. So in the picture, he could be the first one on the first face you saw. So let's, I, I, you, are you with me on this? So, yeah. yeah. So let's get real here. Uh, now in 2008, I wrote a book about money and aging, and I started to research health costs. I saw black aging. Everybody's got diabetes. It was cholesterol over the roof. It was really a problem, and it was a separate problem from white aging with longevity being less and everything you could think of. Well, you work in that world. You're toiling in that field. 
tell us a little bit about that work and how's it going. Well, let me just throw this out there. First of all, I personally do not believe race relations are getting worse in this country. I recognize and acknowledge all the challenges we still have in regards to race. But again, I'm an eternal optimist and the trajectory that we're on as a country fills me with optimism that we're moving in the right direction. So I just want to put that out there. That's just my point of view. Uh, Unfortunately, if you look at society, black men in general are showcased as when you look at the the major sports issues or uh, sports, then we see black men who are basically the epitome of health and fitness when you look at television. But unfortunately, we lead the nation in most health-related illnesses and death. And so a lot of that could be attributed to finances, um, poverty, and things like that. But I think it's more about mindset than anything. We as a collective has to stop focus our atten- focusing our attention so much on things outside of ourselves like the government and racism and things like that and focus inward to look at our own health. Now, I'm a former trainer in a health club. Uh, been in, in, in health and fitness for some 30, 40 years. And what I recognize is that, unfortunately, too many times as black men, we, we're we spending too much time w- w- drinking alcohol, smoking cigarettes and things like that. So we can look at that from a black perspective. But the truth is, it's really not about ethnicity. <laughs> it's really about health. It's really about being human and taking care of our human body. There's nothing on this planet, in my opinion, that's more amazing than the human body. It's the only thing on the planet that gets stronger the more you use it. So as we get older, it's not that the body is just decaying because of age. It's the decaying because we're not using it. We're not moving it. The body is designed to move. So we have to make a commitment as we get older to make sure that we're taking care of our physical health by exercising, walking, and obviously the food that we ingest minimizing or eliminating um, alcohol and drugs and things like that. So it's really about paying attention to our physical bodies and looking at our bodies as our temples. And when we do that, we can change a lot of the the negative things we see in society around health. You know, uh, at the Modern Elder Academy, which I mentioned earlier uh, with regard to your roller coaster chapter, which deals with younger people, people in their 40s and 50s and 60s. My coach, I had a coach, this was just a couple of weeks ago, and he was a black man whose name you may know, Aaron Taylor, same name. Uh, he was a great, great, and is a great football star with a Super Bowl ring. And he was saying the same thing. Now, of course, his whole life has to do with physicality, you know, as a, as a, a football player. But the fact is that at the end of the day, it's all about your motivation. And if you are not happy with your aging, And if you don't wake up in the morning with something wonderful to do, why should you exercise to maintain more years? Why should you eat right? Why wouldn't you indulge in the too much drinking, you know, at the club or whatever it is? You would. And that's all one piece. The more you want to be out in the world, the more you don't want to look like who did it and ran. So there's a, yeah, I mean, there's a certain amount of vanity that comes with life purpose. Because if you are somebody who has infused a life purpose, you probably are out there with other people. You want to feel good, look good, and have the stamina to do it. So in I'm Not Okay with Gray, there is a chapter on health. But once again, I don't think it matters. I don't think anybody listening, Michael, 
doesn't know how to go on a diet and lose five pounds or doesn't know they should exercise. They all know. It's And I know. But doing it and having that motivation and consistency is just not easy. Now, is that the is that part of life coaching or is that fitness coaching? How do you un, unpack the actual profession of coaching? Because everything is so interrelated. Yeah, and obviously there are specific coaches for certain things. For example, there are health coaches, health and fitness coaches, and I fall under the category of life coach, which encompasses all of it, I think. But if you look at the way the book is written, so I start off by talking about not embracing a midlife crisis. And then the second chapter is embrace who you are. And I think that's probably the most important chapter because most of us aren't willing to ask ourselves that deeper question, who am I? And if we're willing to do that, if we're willing to take that deep dive to understand who we are, we begin that process of transformation. And as we do that, I can assure you that our mindset begins to change. And as we change and transform into who we were born to be, we're more likely to want to make positive changes in other areas of our lives and health and fitness being one of them. So, you know, it's all about habits. You know, repetition is the mother of skill. And if I can get a person to start changing their thinking about who they are and then seeing the benefits of this transformational journey, they're more inclined to want to continue this process to become what I'll create what I'll call that extraordinary life, which is the inner peace, the dynamic health, the great relationships and the financial abundance. But it starts you have to take baby steps. See, unfortunately, in our society, we have this, you know, this uh, instant gratification where we said, OK, so I'm going to lose 20 pounds in three days. You know, we so right. we, we, yeah. we think that everything's gonna, it, it doesn't work that way. I mentioned earlier that I believe the universe is perfect. Well, there's a perfect process to everything. So transformation is a process. So we have to commit to that process. And when we first and foremost get in touch with who we are and we connect to that divine intelligence that I was speaking of, it will then kick in that curiosity that you're talking about to want to get better to want to grow, to want to transform. So it's really about making the commitment to that transformational process. Well, I want to uh, end the show by simply saying that everything that you just heard can be even started at any age. It's It's wonderful if you could start it earlier in life. It's wonderful if it was even brought out in schools. But you can certainly start it at age 65, 75, and 85 because... The difference now uh, to then is we do have this extra 30 years. And the question is, what are you going to do with it? And by taking that inner journey, you'll probably, no, you'll definitely get better answers to that question. And you can take it with uh, some of the books that Coach Michael Taylor has written. You can want to look at CoachMichaelTaylor.com. And we thank you so much for this, Michael. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. And for everybody else, you know what I'm going to say? Get out there, kids, and make it happen. I need a problem.